0: It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Hello, and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. Guys Guys Radio, the place where where men and women can be at their best, everybody wins. We've got a great show for you today. Our special guest is an author and kind of a spiritual coach, let's call him that. Uh, his name is Johnny Pollard from New York City. He's got a book called The Golden Sequence, A Manual for Reclaiming Our Humanity. And what he does in that book is he really helps people kind of uh, stay connected to their consciousness, stay on track. It's so easy for us nowadays to kind of get thrown off track. You, know, you have a goal, you're on a path, and then you start doing stuff. And you have so many things you have to do and react to and the job and the bills and catch up on this and that. And it just gets uh, so overwhelming that sometimes it's hard to continue to follow our path. So Johnny's going to help us out with that. I'm going to start the show by uh, just talking a little bit because I've got a lot of stuff been go- has been going on lately. And I just figured I'd, you know, kind of share a little bit about my experience. And hopefully that that helps everybody out to if they can relate to it or not. But, you know, Guys Guys Radio is the place where we bring you different ideas, different ways of thinking, different uh, concepts, and then we leave it up to our listeners to decide and determine, hey, if, is that right for me or or maybe not? And that's really what I want to do is just bring you lots of different thoughts and things to consider because, as I mentioned when I was mentioning uh, Johnny, it's so easy to kind of get off track uh, when you know we're here for a reason and you want to follow your path. And so many people are looking into... How do I kind of find my meaning? How do I find my center? How do I find out why I'm here and what I'm doing? Well, it's 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 really important to do that. And to me, the way to do that is uh, to take a lot of small steps and also by being still. I've been kind of thrown off a little bit myself because I, I'm a guy. I like routines. I like to work out. I do my Dan Millman workout every morning. I work out on the elliptical, and you and I and I have a pretty clean diet. Uh, Compared to a lot of people, at least <laughs> at least to most of my friends, but uh, I had some, uh, I had to have some eye surgery and um, so I had to, get to have anesthesia and uh, so I went under last week it was a week ago, and I had some stitches and stuff and i 've had to take antibiotics and I had to take they gave me some painkillers, but I just took uh, uh, extra strength Tylenol and uh, but the whole process it's, 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 it's thrown me off a little bit. And, uh, what happens is I think, you know, you live a, you live in a clean life, you have a clean diet and then you take antibiotics. Well, that goes inside your body. And this is just me riffing and it kills a lot of stuff. And I started taking then probiotics because I wanted to counteract the antibiotics with kill a lot of stuff. And it's, it's kind of a negative thing. It comes into your system and kills a lot of stuff. And when you're raising your frequency and trying to live your best life and keep your vibration up there. You take some type of medicine that you need, but it's going to go in there and kill a lot of stuff. And I found that by taking the antibiotics and some of the painkillers and stuff, it got me a little bit down in the dumps. And I'd been on a really nice trajectory of feeling really great about a lot of things going on. But uh, having the uh, procedure I went through and then the follow-up, I've got some stitches. It's a couple more days till I get them taken out. I can't work out right now. I've got to be careful about what I eat. Um, Supplements are kind of uh, off the table for right now, and I have to take the antibiotics. I have to take some eye drops, and uh, it's thrown me off my game a little bit. So I'm doing my best to kind of get back on track. But what the learning is, what I noticed is when we start to do things a little bit differently and we miss out on some of those positive routines that we have, um, we get challenged, and it's very easy to get thrown off course. So that's just a thought on that. So I've been more and more mindful about taking care of myself during this process. I make sure that I get a good night's sleep. I have to sleep on my back right now, kind of sitting up a little bit. i managed to do that. I've uh, been doing some self-reiki on myself, which is uh, energy work where you intend energy through your crown chakra. It comes out your hands and you put different positions around your body. Um, I've I mentioned a few times on the show that I'm a, a reiki master and teacher. So you can treat yourself with reiki, which is great. That's helped a lot. And I've uh, my wife, she collects different types of uh, crystals and quartz and stones. And I've used some of those, held them in my hands, put them on my forehead, put them on my stomach. And uh, that's really, really helped me a lot. So uh, I try to keep an open mind about um, adding the kind of holistic healing on top of the, the Western healing, which is the antibiotics and the stitches and cutting things out and things like that. And I think it can all work together. But again, I, you got to be careful when things you get those curveballs to stay on track. It's not that easy. So I can't wait to get back to my routine. Um, but I'm going to just keep on being adaptive and kind of zig and zag to to get myself in the place where I I, I need to be going forward and to keep on track. So uh, it's it's just a matter of step by step. And I recently wrote a blog on this um, about getting in shape to get in shape. And I, I did this before thinking about the move and some of these other things I've been talking about. But, you know, uh, getting in shape to get in shape uh, inspired me was that, you know, it's, it's like that first step. A lot of people at the beginning of the year, they go to the gym, they sign up, and they go crashing I- into it. And they're like, they work out like crazy people, for like demons, for a couple of weeks. And then they, something happens. They got to go on a business trip or they get the flu or whatever, and they get thrown off, thrown off their program. And then it's easy to make excuses like, mm, OK, I'll just have that one slice of pizza and like eh, I can have beer. That's OK. And before you know it, you're kind of working against yourself where you have to work out a little bit harder to work off the calories you ate the night before. And then you're not sleeping enough, etc. cetera. And it, it really makes it tough. So to me, that the, 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 what you really need to do, and what I've done, and it's worked out very well, is I, I get my when, when I'm off from a program and I want to get started again. I actually put together a program, what I call is getting in shape to get in shape, and it's it's pretty simple stuff. But you know, not not a lot of people think about it. So to me, I'll give you about four or five steps I take to get myself back on track if I ever fall out of shape or out of the shape I want to be in. And I'm pretty tough on myself. As I had mentioned in a couple of shows, I put together a diet program for myself last year called the Process of Elimination Diet. And basically what I did was I uh, gave up a different food or beverage item for 52 weeks last year. So every week I gave up something. And I just followed uh, my—I started with alcohol, which was tough, of course. And then I uh, just followed my cravings. And by the end of the year, I'd lost 25 pounds, and I eliminated— an incredible amount of cravings for sugars and carbs and salty stuff, and it was feeling great. And I kind of let myself go a little bit in the first quarter or so of this year, but now I'm getting back at it because I figured out uh, some of my tendencies and some of my cravings. But uh, to get back in shape, uh, since I've fallen off a little bit, I decided, well, let me, let me put together a plan to get myself back in shape. So, number one, the first thing you need to do, in my opinion, is Get up on that scale. If you want to lose some weight and, or tone up or do both, most people want to lose a couple of pounds. So get on a scale and, you know, be real, look down, look at that number and say, okay, own it. That's what I weigh. And then think about number two, have an objective. What, what do I want to get out of this program? I might want more lean muscle mass, but do I want to lose some pounds along the way? Obviously muscle weighs more than fat, but you probably want to pare down a little bit. So have an objective, write it down, and uh, figure out what, what it is that you want to do and what you want to get out of working out. Because if you're just working out to work out, it's great for your lifestyle. And it's, it's healthy. It's good. But it's, sometimes it's better if you have some goals in mind and some plateaus and thresholds where you know, check, hey, I got here. I, I reached this goal. Now I go to the next goal. Then develop yourself. Number three is develop a plan of attack. How are you going to get to where you want to go? What are you going to do? Do you want to, Is it about running? Is it about the elliptical? Is it about working out? Is it about golf? Is it about tennis? What, what is the, what's your workout regime going to be? Write that down. Take the time to write things down. When you write things down, it gives you uh, more of a, uh, it takes the intention and it, it really uh, validates it when you put things in writing. And that goes for anything. And even on your spiritual side, writing it down, writing it down, writing it down is important when you want to manifest things and get things done, at least so in my opinion and what I've been taught from my teachers. The next point, number four, is to start your program slowly. Start slow. The most important step you ever take in a new program is that first step. So don't go out there and pull a hamstring because you worked out too hard the first time. Just go slow. Get a couple of loose, light workouts done. Get yourself into a position where you can keep at it. And that's point number five, which is be consistent. So you start out slowly, and then you stay with it. And then I I would also suggest you you keep a journal, so you go back and write things down along the way. Um, That's not for everybody, because some people don't like to write things down. But believe me, it helps. So once again, let me just give you those steps again. Number one, you're going to get into a new routine. Step on the scale. Look down, see what you weigh, write it down. Decide and determine what your objective is for your program. Maybe you want to write that down too. Then come up with what's your plan of attack going to be? Do you want to swim? Do you want to run? Do you want to lift? Do you want to do yoga? Do you want to meditate more? What do you want to do in terms of whatever this program is for your wellness? Uh, Mental wellness, spiritual wellness, physical wellness, physical fitness, losing weight, toning up, etc. And then start slow. Get a start. That first step is the most important. Start slow. Start slow. Keep it light at first. Don't pull any muscles. Don't knock yourself out of the box before you've had a chance to really get started. And then number five, be consistent. Just stay with it. Stay with it and see where you are after 30 days and after 45 days and then after 90 days. And I'll bet if you can do these things, you're going to see a heck of a lot of progress. And it's actually going to make your working out a lot easier. And again, I suggest keeping a journal. So that's my kind of uh, getting in shape to get in shape. And by writing that, I kind of got um, inspired to think about, well, what's the best way to, to move? Because it's such a process and it can be overwhelming. And I was personally getting overwhelmed by the whole aspect of moving. But I started to p- formulate a program into, okay, how am I going to do this without driving myself you know, o- o- into the wall or off the wall and just go completely bonkers? So I decided I would do these sweeps. I would start with a closet. And then I would start with a drawer. And then I would start with another room. And then I would go back over time and just do it again and again. And you'll find more and more stuff you can get rid of. And a lot of it is just getting rid of stuff and finding the right home and then paring it down and paring it down and paring it down. And it's almost the same process as the getting in shape to get in shape. you got to start with one step at a time. you got to have a goal. you got to have an objective. You have to start slowly. you got to be consistent. And you got to be real. So, good luck with all of that. Once again, our this is Guys Guys Radio. Your host, Robert Manny. Our special guest today is author Johnny Pollard. We're going to talk about his book, The Golden Sequence: A Manual for Reclaiming Our Humanity, and he also has a lot of tips to help you kind of stay on track. Guys Guys Radio, Robert Manny. We are on Guys Guys Radio our special guest is Johnny Pollard and we're going to talk about his book The Golden Sequence a manual for reclaiming our humanity as well as a fantastic app he has it's actually free it's called uh, onegiantmind.com uh it's it's really wonderful you can get it at his website or you can go on uh, iTunes go to the uh, App Store I downloaded it and it's it's really fantastic so let me tell you a little bit about Johnny He's best known for bringing meditation to the mainstream through his organization, One Giant Mind. It's Learn Meditation Smartphone App and its Meditation Teacher Training Academy as one of the top rated meditation apps. One Giant Mind's Learn Meditation App has taught hundreds of thousands of people worldwide how to meditate. And, you know, uh, there's lots of different ways of meditating and there's no one way, but um, so many people have trouble kind of dialing down the monkey chatter. So Johnny's going to help us with that. He's a meditation teacher, mentor to entrepreneurs, CEOs, political leaders, public figures, artists, health practitioners, and everyday people. Born in Australia, he now resides in the East Village of New York City with his wife and daughter. I'm recording a show up here in Harlem. So we're two New Yorkers coming from other places and meeting together, and we're with you and KCAA in Southern California. How about that? So welcome to the show, Johnny.
1: It's great to be here, mate. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: Doctor, tell us a little bit about um, how you got started and how you came up with this meditation app. I want to start there, if you don't mind, because I meditate and I um, I have learned over time that there's a big difference between, all meditation is good. It's kind of like pizza or like sex or whatever, but you know, when, uh, there's a big difference. Maybe it's the same with uh, sex and meditation. If it lasts for a couple of minutes, it's it's good, but if it lasts for a really long time, it's so much better. And uh, when you get into a deep meditation, things really start to happen in that if you get to that stillness, then Mm -hmm. you can really start to get the answers because it takes a while, particularly for us new yorkers or people in america who are in the western culture where where there's a lot of busy conscious mind stuff going on to get to that stillness state takes a while to where the real Mm -hmm. meditation kicks in similar to you know working out and i notice somebody will come in and they do 20 minutes next to me and then they leave and it's like i don't say anything but like it takes 20 minutes to get the heart rate to a point where you're going to burn fat so a lot of people are looking for like things to happen quickly but <laughs> sometimes they don't happen so quickly. So I threw a lot at you, Johnny. Why don't you take
1: <laughs> <laughs> What I'd like to do is take the opportunity to outline uh, what I believe to be a really important missing link in the Western interpretation of these beautiful Eastern practices. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a gross misconception that sort of any meditation is a good place to start. And, um, you know, what that doesn't take into consideration is that different meditations do different things. And if different meditations do different things, then we have to ask ourselves, well, what's the thing that we need most right now relative to our condition? Because meditation is really about restoring our nature, getting us connected to who and what we are, irrespective of how life has sculpted our nervous system. So we're, we're, we're all exposed to all kinds of stimulation, some, you know, favourable and enjoyable and some not. And that has an impact on the way in which, you know, we show up in the world, you know, the way in which life has uh, sort of affected us as we've progressed through life. And each of us have this condition or conditioning, let's call it, Um that impedes or obstructs or blocks who and what we are as, as human beings, which is essentially creative intelligence. What mm-hmm. we are, at the baseline of our being, is extraordinarily powerful, autonomous creatures that have a, a, a powerful flux of creative intelligence that's constantly streaming through us, giving us insights about the most meaningful way to respond to life in any given moment. And suffering and confusion is born of a gross disconnection from this beautiful, simple, elegant, natural flow of of energy. And so meditation, from my standpoint, is a process by which we first reestablish connection to that creative intelligence. And once we've established that connection, to refine our relationship to it and the instruments by which we have the experience of creativity. And power, and the instruments are, you know, the nervous system, the brain, the mind, the senses, and there are all kinds of different meditations to to stimulate and 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 refine those instruments. But before we get into um, refining the instruments, I think it's always uh, so important that we first establish direct contact with the self, trying to bring in techniques that are about refining the instrument before we actually clean out the engine right. and, or do an overhaul. Is, is futile because all you're going to be doing is running dirty fuel um, you know through the engine again and blunting the instruments or clogging them up and not dealing with the the, the, the core of the reason why the instruments are not functioning properly in the first place okay. and so um, the technique that I, I always recommend and teach myself out of the gate for anybody that starts is the technique that we teach in the app um, which is referred to as a being technique. And a being technique is any technique that leads the mind beyond the gross level of awareness into this deeper state of rest and recovery from the stresses of life. And uh, in this deep restful state known as a relaxation response, the body's immune system starts to cause recovery. And we generally think about the immune system as something that's um, Uh, that governs the physiology. But rarely do we think about the immune system, how it relates to our emotional well-being and our psychological well-being. And the the, the immune function absolutely correlates directly to our our emotional and psychological wellness and plays a huge role in the way in which we recover psychologically and emotionally. And so when when we get into this deep restful state and we make direct contact with this experience of being, through the technique, the mechanism of the technique, um, what occurs is a, a reinforcement, a rejuvenation of, a, of that immune function that is capable of restoring emotional wellness and psychological wellness by identifying with the truth of who we are.
0: Okay. Let me tell a quick story on that. When I, uh, I had a surprise... Uh, I was out running about six years ago, and I had pains in my side, and I had to get a sinus sonogram, and then they found I had something on each kidney, and I had robotic surgery, and they said everything's fine, and I said, "Well, how did I? How did this happen?" And they said, "Sporadic," and I'm like, "Not the not the answer I'm looking for." So one of our guests, uh, Dr. Ahmed Ghazwami, he pointed mm-hmm. me to the New York uh, Innovative Medicine. Dr. Schultz there and I went in and I went through an Ayurvedic uh, protocol and really it was all about, and helped me out with this, um, cleaning out, as you said, with the meditation instead of just washing the, the the dirt, keep keep washing your clothes in dirty water, so to speak, making sure that the water is clean. So I had to clean, the process was for me to clean out my internal environment so things that are not good don't grow there. Yeah. So how does that, uh, how does uh, that, how does that, relate to your the app, meditation, yep. and also mm-hmm. getting into the golden sequence.
1: So the, the, the Vedic tradition always wants to deal with the source, the root. It's always probing deeper into what is the source? What is the source? What is the root? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and it's probing to understand the self at the level of the source. And it's also uh, probing deep into the root to understand the root of suffering. Because um, when we're dealing with the baseline of anything, what we're ensuring is where we're getting the most, uh, the most holistic picture, the biggest picture that we can. And it's only when we have the big picture can we create context around the the uh, the small pictures that we we zoom in on to, to focus and concentrate on in order to to recover and repair. Um, so. The Vedic tradition um, is primarily concerned with not only intellectually understanding a thing like our existence, but Mm -hmm. experientially, empirically exposing ourselves to those layers of reality that are available to our, you know, our our, our perceptual experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And knowing through direct experience, the word Ved or Veda means to know. And so what we're interested in doing is not just studying intellectually the, the experience of the self, but through the experience of our own sensory perception to come to know who and what we are, what our place is in the universe, and how to coexist in harmony. And the, the experience of coexisting in harmony is that the system of the self is constantly being rejuvenated, replenished. Vitality is the hallmark of harmony. And what we're interested in doing in these practices is ensuring that there is a surplus of life force, of energy, so that we are constantly serving the underlying narrative of the universe, which is self-care. The universe is perpetually symbiotic, symbiotically serving itself. Mm-hmm. It's in, a, in a, a mutually beneficial relationship with itself. And we are agents of of this intelligence, um, d- designed to, to feed back into the field of creative intelligence. You know, signals that uh, and 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 an energy that is uh, reciprocal okay. of of what we emerge out of, which is love, creativity, uh, and and the the effervescence of life, powerful energy. That funds our creative desires. Let's
0: t- let's let's bring this down into the terms for uh, kind of a somebody might be driving down a Route 5 and. Southern California, and uh, on their way to work or to In-N-Out Burger, whatever. Everybody, I think, <laughs> and a lot of the listeners to our show, they're, they're seekers. They want to they want to get more information, and then they want to make their determinations as to what works for them. So mm-hmm. I bring lots of different guests on from lots of different fields, always in an effort to to help people. And uh, but it's always an individual choice. You know, you you had some anxiety, I believe, before you got started, and I think a lot of America has anxiety. What can people do to kind of get started and to get Transcend anxiety and get into a more uh, uh, connected way to source in terms of how we live. It's like mm-hmm. with meditation; people mm-hmm. want to meditate and they want to do it for like you know five minutes. And there's nothing wrong with that, but to really get there, you've got to you've got to go deeper. How can people get started in, in living a better life?
1: Yeah, by first recognizing that the anxiety that we are collectively experiencing everyone is experiencing it to some degree, Mm -hmm. um, is as a result of living in a way that is not in alignment with the way in which we biologically evolved. Mm -hmm. We know that over the last 12,000 years, there hasn't been very much biological evolution. In fact, Mm -hmm. there's been next to none apart from something in our genes that helps process starch in our stomach, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from that, we are still physiologically the same hunters and gatherers that lived and dwelled in tribes, very small tribes in nature. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about the massive leap that we took from being hunters and gatherers for about 1.8 million years uh, and evolving biologically in that environment to this tiny period of time where we basically abandoned everything we knew and adopted all of these new ways that more or less are the direct opposite of the way that we were living. Um, it causes a thing called evolutionary mismatch, where a species forced to live in an environment that it didn't biologically evolve in starts to um, show signs of maladaptation. And um, a part of our maladaptation is sensory overload. The way in which we live now, the stimulation that we're exposed to is far greater than the, the uh, level in which our physiology and psychology can actually deal with, mm. and as a result, it it causes a a neurosis, a sort of a, a dysfunction of the mind and the mm. and the body, where yeah. we we're unable to we're unable to cope.
0: Okay. It seems like let me just hold hold that thought for a second. That that's even being dialed up even more now because if you consume media, there's more fa- quicker cuts, there's more violence, there's more excitement, anything to get the viewer's attention. And then you've got everybody staring at their phone. You know, people don't buy albums anymore. It's like every they just cherry pick songs, which which is fine. There's a you know it's a lot of good things, but even the music, there's a vibration to the music and. Um, depending on the type of music you listen to, this, a lot of it is going to be really, really fast. And uh, it almost goes so fast that it's, it goes past your ability to process it properly. I think yeah. that's kind of what, what, you, what you're saying, that, that overstimulation, we can't even... It goes beyond what we're naturally set up to process. And so what happens when, when people, and most people are kind of, quote-unquote, addicted to media, they're taking in a lot, and there's a lot of quick cuts, and there's a lot of going on, and it's like, wow... And then with the music and the phone and everybody's in front of their computer all the time, how does this affect us? And how do we turn away from that?
1: Yeah, so we it, it, so it's like consuming sugar three times a day as your, as your staple diet. A lot of the stuff that we're consuming isn't reflective of um, nature's intelligence and doesn't, doesn't reflect back to us who we are. The music, the values in the music, the sentiment, the, mm-hmm. the frequencies that we're talking about, it's toxic. A mm-hmm. lot of it is very, very toxic and is designed to coerce and manipulate you into believing that you need to be more than what you are. And the only way that you're going to do that is by continuing to buy whatever it is that you've been mm-hmm. sold.
0: You know. yeah. I'm um, from advertising, so I, I know. But you yeah. know, it's interesting that nobody ever talks about any of that stuff. You just do the work and you make the ads and you get right. the message out there and you think about how to build the brand. You're not thinking about how can we manipulate and fool these people and all of that. But actually, in a number of ways, that is what is happening.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've got to call it out for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what, what, what it's doing when we're constantly exposed to messages and frequencies and vibrations um, that aren't in alignment with the, the baseline frequency of who and what we are, mm-hmm. it creates a dissonance. When you put two two sounds together that aren't in harmony, it's terrible to listen to, you know. Um, and this is what we're we've normalised. We've normalised listening to things that just uh, don't sound good, but it triggers a certain chemistry that is highly addictive. Cortisol is highly addictive, and so
0: what? What is well, that for, for cortisol?
1: Us? Cortisol is is an adrenaline product. Okay. it's something that keeps us at a very high level. Uh, of raciness.
0: Mm-hmm. Where is that? Where is it found? Uh, How do we consume it's, it?
1: We, it? It's it's being produced by the brain, and it gets pumped okay. through our entire bloodstream. Okay. It's an it's a, it's a, an internally produced um, product okay. um, that uh, that is triggered by being exposed to certain things. Okay. And so we, we have a, a mass addiction of of cortisol. And so we, we, we're constantly consuming things that trigger that. Now, the problem with cortisol, that keeps us on, on edge and keeps us in a state of what is referred to as fight or flight, which is that survival mechanism to get us out of danger. Now, fight or flight is great if we're faced with an imminent threat, but if there's no threat and we're constantly triggering fight or flight as our mode of operation, our strategy for existence, the wear and tear on our brain, our nervous system, our physiology, our psychology is so huge that it has such a massive impact on the way that we see ourselves, the way we bring ourselves to relationships um, and uh, and ultimately dictates the degree to which we experience fulfillment in life. Mm-hmm. Constantly being on edge and nervous and worried about the future yes. and the threat to our existence mm-hmm. um, uh, is a terrible way to live. And this is why we have a massive anxiety epidemic. We have a massive depression epidemic globally mm-hmm um
0: and that 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 affects our consciousness also right johnny where you know if if you're in a great mood it affects the global consciousness and if you're sending out you're living from a heart-centered place you're sending out good vibes and that affects not just yourself but other people um subconsciously and the same thing with anxiety if everybody's anxious then more and more people out there are going to be anxious it's 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 all connected is it that's that's true
1: Correct. And, you know, that's what I was talking about before when I was describing what the Vedic, the Vedic practices are all about. Mm-hmm. It's about flooding the body with enough vitality that the senses alive, enliven and yield the experience of our interconnectedness. And when we have that experience, we go, oh, we immediately realize the immense inherent responsibility that we have to bringing our best game to the table because it's feeding the collective and informing it of who and what it is. When, okay. each, which, when every single human being wakes up to the, the reality and the responsibility that we have to be outputting into the collective field the highest frequency possible, mm-hmm. then the world will change. Great. Cur- currently, we're indoctrinated into the belief system that what I do doesn't affect anybody else. I'm separate from you. You mind your own business and I'll get on with mine. Mm-hmm. And I can do whatever I want here. I can suffer in isolation. It's got nothing to do with you. And this is right. the biggest misconception: mm-hmm. is that our, we can never suffer in isolation. Right. Your suffering is going to impact everybody.
0: Right. Okay. Let's get on to this. is First of all, this is Guys Guys Radio. Your host Robert Manning. We have a special guest, Johnny Pollard. His book that I want to get into now is called The Golden Sequence: A Manual for Reclaiming Our Humanity. And it is a it's an easy I want to say easy in a negative way, easy in a good way to uh, consume book. It's it's very well written and it's got jam it's jam packed with a lot of information so why don't we start with uh, kind of what was the vision behind the book what is the golden sequence and where can come, where can we start getting into this
1: so this is, i'm glad you asked this question and in the timing that you did it's going to enable me to answer the, the question you asked before how can your listeners Great. where where can they start this book uh, is exactly that it's um what it does, it creates a really great case for why we are the way we are right now, living in this sort of evolutionary mismatch environment where our, our physiology is not um, uh, getting on the program of all of the stimulation. And so what it does, it addresses the problem head on, uh, our inherent defensiveness as the way in which we uh, strategically live. And um, it, uh, it addresses our deepest nature which is creative intelligence, uh, which uh, 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 an interchangeable term for creative intelligence is love. Love mm-hmm. and creative intelligence are synonymous. Uh, and creative intelligence is always seeking to to serve the greater good and to ensure that everything is in a, in, a, in a mutually beneficial relationship so that the whole can flourish. When the whole is flourishing, then everyone's doing great. When everyone's doing great, we're, we're rocking and rolling. And so the book... Um, was written to provide people with a very simple, accessible framework to begin addressing the deep yearning for connection to themselves, uh, the, the mechanism for knowing, how do I know myself? How do I become certain of who I am? How can I transcend self-doubt? How can I distinguish the difference between the, the, the negative uh, self-loathing chatter inside my mind and the truth of my power and my capability to, to overcome that and emerges a creative force within the world. Got it. And so I, I spell it out with no uncertainty. And it's a culmination of about 25 years of my own personal practice um, and teaching. Um, and it's loaded with practical exercises, mm-hmm. anecdotal references of my, my, my private clients in my own personal practice, teaching practice, and uh, it, it provides you with a step-by-step guide for how you can reclaim your humanity. And what I, what I mean by reclaim our humanity, to reclaim yourself. We have become so detached from what it actually means to be human mm-hmm. and, and how to, how to live um, without compromising the truth of who we are, without any confusion or uncertainty about that. And okay. when, we ha- when we have that, we've got everything. Okay. When we know who we are and we can live from that place in our heart with love and creativity as opposed to fear and defensiveness where we're, we're experiencing the height of human experience.
0: right there. Great. Great. Well said. All right. Th- let's give uh, the listeners a little uh, taste. If you will, you've got two sections I found most profound that's, and they're easy to do and, uh, and their concepts also built into them. And that is the four golden insights and then the, uh, the golden sequence. Could mm. you talk to us a little bit about those two?
1: Yeah. So the four okay. golden insights, uh, the four pillars that sequentially elaborate out of each other, kind of like Russian dolls, that are a a, um, a simple guiding princ- set of principles to live by. The first is life is sacred, which is that – and what that basically is stating is that when we are absent of fear and we can allow ourselves to innocently be in this moment now – and allow our attention to just probe the truth of our existence, what we behold is an extraordinary thing Mm -hmm. that we exist. And that that existence is governed by some mysterious intelligence that is all pervasive and holds us accountable to our uh, connectivity. It holds us accountable to our belonging to it. And that accountability and the relationship that we have to life yields a deep sense of preciousness and sacredness to us. And so that is the first and underlying truth of our reality, is that this life is sacred. And when we live by that, it it gives rise to the second uh, golden insight, which is love is our nature. When we behold the sacredness of life truthfully in our heart, the first thing that happens is an eruption of a sense of belonging to life, a desire to want to nurture life, to be a part of it, to contribute, to be held by it. And this is a beautiful, active description of what I define as love. Love, as I define in the book, is the spontaneous instinct to want to nurture greater connection, growth and belonging to our existence, to the sacredness of life. Got it. So, So the second insight that emerges out of the first is love is our nature. So we have life is sacred, out of life is sacred, love is our nature. Out of love comes a a powerful creative impulse to want to express ourselves, to express that love. And I describe the expression of love, the active expression of love as wisdom. And so the third golden insight is wisdom is our power. Now, when I talk about power, I'm talking about influence the way in which we bring ourselves into the world and have effect it's it's my understanding and also the, a key tenet within the Vedic worldview that we are here to bring the greatest influence of love into 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 the world that's our mm-hmm. fundamental underlying okay. pro- program and the way in which love expresses itself, Oh, sorry. And, and the reason why we do that is to nurture nature, to, to fuel and feed um, nature. Right. And, and, and nature is symbiotic. It's a, it's a mutually beneficial dynamic. And so the more power we have to do that, the greater our level of fulfillment is. And so wisdom is defined as the intelligence of love that gives us the power to ensure that we are nurturing connection, growth, and belonging at the deepest and truest level, the most hmm. meaningful level.
0: Okay. And then number four?
1: And so when when we have this experience, we we realize that fulfillment in life comes from being able to be of service to 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 the world in this way. And that fulfillment is an internally referenced phenomenon, meaning that we don't need the outside world to bend and contort in particular ways in order for us to sustain and generate fulfillment. We, we generate fulfillment by leading our attention into the present moment and asking ourselves, how can we be best of service with our love and wisdom, which then leads us into the fourth, which is fulfillment is our purpose when we when we realize that those three those first three insights are the mechanics of fulfillment then the fourth insight then is well let's just make sure that at the pointy end of our spear of life that fulfillment always remains at the at the tip to be of service to to the world let let that be at the at the pointy end of my spear let that be my let that be my purpose and when we live with fulfillment as our purpose, honoring the sacredness of life, love as our nature and wisdom as our pu- uh, our power, then the fourth automatically emerges. And then those four become the, the foundation for how we lead our lives as powerful, creative, intelligent beings.
0: Okay. You know uh, I want to throw a couple of we'll get into the golden sequence because the uh, these insights set up the practice of the sequence. But let me throw a couple of terms at you and a couple of concepts, and let's talk about them real quick because I want to make it practical for the for our listeners and that you know we talk about being of service. and uh, to me, being of service could be just you know you go to work, you take care of your family, you're kind to people, you have a loving way of uh, about yourself. And it doesn't have to be you work at a food pantry or charitable donations per se. Living a life of service is is not a, is is not something you can put into a box. What is your is it, feeling about that?
1: Absolutely, and I go to great lengths to actually talk about that in the book. It's it's it service is moment to moment. It is it is the quality of attention and awareness of the needs of others, and to what extent are you able to lend the quality of your loving kind attention to others in the present moment to let them. To remind them of the truth of who they are just through a smiling glance Mm -hmm. and to let them know that they're they're seen, they're cared about, they're respected, and they're appreciated. Because this is actually the greatest gift that we can offer any other human being, Mm -hmm. more so than feeding them. You know, I I walk down the street in New York every day, and when I first moved here, I I would see the homeless people and I walk over to them. And I, you know, I, I give them a dollar. And they wouldn't look me in the eye. It was almost like they were ashamed. And I try and make eye contact. And, and then I walk off, but I gave them a dollar. It wasn't a very fulfilling experience.
0: Right.
1: You know, they, they got on with their, their survival program, and that was that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I started just really connecting with why it felt dis, dis, dissatisfying. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. doing a good thing here. But I wasn't really. And so what I started doing is when, when somebody uh, I saw on the street was asking for money, before I reached into my pocket, before I indicated to them that I was going to give them anything, I just walked over to them and I go, hi, how are you? You know, actually just connected with them as a human being. Right. And at first, generally, you get a kind of an odd response. It's kind like, of
0: like, like exactly. what do you re- want? Recoil. You
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. What do you want? You crazy person? Or, you know, like they didn't know how to interact because they were so disconnected mm-hmm. from, from being treated as a human being. Mm-hmm. And so I, I spent a lot of time actually connecting if, if only for 30 seconds, how are you today? You know, have you had some, have you had some breakfast? And mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, actually, no, I haven't. So I'm like, are, are you hungry? Would you like a meal? Like actually having a mm-hmm. conversation about what their needs are and, Just in that simple act of connecting with them as human beings, within that 30-second period, they light up. They're like, oh, my God, I'm actually having an interaction with a real person. And they're connecting with the thing that they actually are starving for most, which is love.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me throw one at you. uh, Just... Mm -hmm. You know, for the benefit of our, our listeners, I'm a New Yorker also, and I, you, know, you can go broke if you gave a dollar to everybody you met on the street mm-hmm. because it did mm-hmm. just keep coming at you here. But um, it's interesting that some of them, there's a lot of mental illness also in, in New York and a lot of people on drugs. So I've had uh, times where um, I'll, I'll be on a corner, I, 116th Street, Frederick Douglass Boulevard, and people would ask me for money. For, I need money for food. I'm like, there's a food pantry right here. I pointed mm-hmm. out to them, and they—they—they just they, they, they completely give mm-hmm. me the Heisman. They don't want that. They—they mm-hmm. they want the money because it's for alcohol or drugs or whatever. And yeah. It's very sad because then then you feel kind of helpless. How can I help this person? And because they have mental illness or they're, uh, you know, they're addicted an addiction. It's hard to even connect with them on that human level. That's how sometimes deep seated the issues are mm-hmm. in in the big city. But I think what you're doing is the proper way to do it—to just deal with people. Like recognizing the divinity in everybody and treat them like human beings and, and see what happens. You're not always going to get the response you want, no. but many times you will. So I applaud you for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's one lady uh, who's who's local to our area. And the first time I encountered her, she was very sweet. You know, an, she's an elderly woman. Um, she appeared very sweet. You know, excuse me, sir. Do you think you could help me with some change? And I looked at her and I said, yeah, sure. And I read I remember having like maybe three dollars worth of quarters in my pocket mm-hmm. for some reason. And I, I reached into my pocket and I pulled it out and I, I I handed it to her and she looked down at my hand with absolute disgust and knocked my hand out of her face. Wow. Or out of- and scattered the quarters everywhere mm-hmm. and went, get that out of my face. I don't want coins, I want paper, dollars,
0: <laughs>
1: I was so like shocked and like Welcome to New York. I said, um, Excuse me, though, I mean that, that's terribly rude. She goes, "Get out of my face!" And I said, yeah. "Actually, no." I said, "You, you, 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 you can't actually ask somebody for for some money and them to offer it to you, and and you do that and expect to, to be okay with doing this day in day out." I said, "This is not cool." And she kind of sort of sheepishly looked down for a second. No one had ever confronted her. Everyone mm-hmm. sort of ran. From the cranky old lady when they didn't get what, when she didn't get what she wanted. And, you know, I, I, that sort of was a big event for me that really informed me about, you know, you've really got to connect and, and, and see these people.
0: Let's get back to uh golden sequence because I want, I want the listeners to hear about what are. I know it's a practice, but it seems like there's one, two, three, four, five surrender that goes through to respond. So, could you quickly zip through those? I know it's not something you zip through, but we're a little <laughs> tight on time.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, well, what I'll, what I'll preface this with is that, that it's really important that if you're somebody that you know finds yourself trapped and struggling with, you know, the involuntary, incessant, defensive reaction to life, constantly viewing life through the 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 lens of. Um, fear, anxiety, a sense of danger, um, you know, constantly having to be strategic about the future rather than just surrendering into the moment and, and allowing life to unfold. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody that is experiencing that and is no longer satisfied with that experience and is looking for a really elegant path out, mm-hmm. then this book is for you. Okay. Now, I'll reluctantly go through these five steps because there's some context that needs to be created in order to fully understand them. Um, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll outline the basic framework for what the golden sequence is Okay. To give your listeners an understanding of, um, you know, how elegantly and simple we can lead ourselves back into the truth of what we are. Great. So, so the golden sequence is a five-step practice that re- requires the coordination of our mind, our feelings, and our body. And um, the first of the the golden the first step in the golden sequence is surrender. And surrender is the um, the choice to willingly willingly let go of our defences of anything that is taking place in the moment that's causing us to actively defend ourselves in a state of defensiveness. We're reinforcing a a belief that we need to be um, removed, disconnected, fortified um, from whomever or whatever circumstance we're interacting with. Now, if you're in danger, this is really important. But if you're not in danger, uh, this reinforcement of disconnection is the the root, actually, of our suffering.
0: Okay.
1: What we need in order to flourish is connection. Okay. Um, and so the only way that we can start moving in the direction of connecting to the truth of who we are and and having the experience that we desire most, we first need to surrender our defenses, Uh, The second step is to accept the moment as it is. When we surrender completely our defenses and accept what is taking place, then we're in a position to accept our power to um, move into a more responsive state rather than a reactive state. When we move from acceptance, then uh, when we're in a state of true acceptance, then we have access to our heart, our feeling center, where all the actions taking place when we are in a state of defensiveness. At the root of defensiveness is a fear, a pain, a sadness, some something that we we feel mistrusting to expose ourselves to the world. And so we defend that that pain, that sad, sadness, or that wound, that trauma.
0: Got it.
1: and and um when we are accepting of the moment and we're accepting of our power to deal with responsiveness, then we become willing to be vulnerable for a moment to feel. So acceptance moves into feeling. And it's only through feeling that we can ever hope to get coherence and insight about the truth of what's going on. If we, if we, if we are fortified in our defensiveness, we're not allowing ourselves to feel, if we're not allowing ourselves to feel, we have no access to love because love flows from the feeling center, our hearts. The source of love is the source of our wisdom in order to access love as our wisdom, we need to learn how to feel. If we're not feeling, there's no healing, there's right. no there's mm-hmm. no there's no transformation. There's no okay. there's no change. So we go surrender, accept, feel, 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 <laughs> and sometimes feel for a long time. Because once we go into, into that feeling um domain, stuff comes up. And we, we we're we're confronted with feelings that we we, we don't necessarily you know, want to chew on. Uh, But, you know, and this is why it's important to read the book, because Mm -hmm. it provides a lot of infrastructure support around the whole feeling process and and why it's it's okay to trust feeling.
0: Okay. Our special guest, Johnny Pollard, The Golden Sequence, A Manual for Reclaiming Our Humanity. Great job and great insights, Johnny. Um, Please tell us uh, where people can learn more about you, your book, your work, where they can connect with you.
1: So you can go to johnnypollard.com and there there you'll find a link to where you can buy the book. um,
0: And it's Johnny, J-O-N-N-I. Yes, correct.
1: P-O-L-L-A-R-D.com. You can also visit One Giant Mind, the number one, giantmind.com. Or search for that on the uh, in the App Store and download our app. And what it'll do is it'll teach you a very elegant meditation technique in yes. a 12-step process and empower you to be able to meditate anywhere, anytime on your own and uh, experience the immense benefits that that daily practice delivers.
0: Got it. Well, listen, fantastic job. You're doing great work, very thoughtful work, also very mindful, and you're helping humanity. And I really appreciate you coming on Guys Guys Radio, and I hope we can stay in touch. And who knows, we might run into each other talking to homeless people in New York. I hope so, Robert.
1: Great to chat with you, mate. I really appreciate you having me on the show. All All the
0: best. Be well. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. We uh, had a very interesting talk with our guest, Johnny Pollard, and he talked about kind of how to get us back on track in the golden sequence. Um, similar to what I was talking about, I kind of get thrown off track from uh, getting ready to move, um, my uh, eye procedure, taking anesthesia, some antibiotics, getting, getting thrown off my usual, my comforting routine. that helps me keep uh, my vibe at the place I want it to be. And there's so much stuff that's thrown at us that it's easy, easy to get knocked off our game, knocked off our pace. So Johnny helped us out. And just quickly, the golden sequence is really five areas. There's surrender, acceptance, feeling, connection, and connecting and responding with service. So Johnny Pollard, the golden sequence. This is Robert Manny, your host, Guys, Guys Radio. We're here on KCAA Every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time, we're on 106.5, 102.3 FM, 10.50 a.m. We're on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Block Talk Radio, iTunes. Um, we're looking at iHeartRadio now. Um, this, all this whole guys-guy movement started with my novel, a novel of all things, called The Guys, Guys, Guy to Love, a novel about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called the male successor to Sex in the City. You can pick it up on Amazon or any place that sells books. Uh, my website where I have over 300 blog posts on everything that has to do with life, love, and the pursuit of happiness and some of the things we talked about today like getting in shape to get in shape at Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. You can also catch me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all over the online space and I love doing the show. I'm going to be back here next Wednesday with another guest and we're going to do another great show. So, I hope you have a great week, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.